0: Welcome into the Locked on Knicks podcast. Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, the New York Knicks, a tragic 113-104 loss to the Toronto Raptors who were missing 40% of their starting lineup. And it didn't matter, Alex, as they bulldozed the Knicks after the Knicks dominated the first quarter in this one.
1: Yeah, the Knicks uh, did the thing that they've been doing recently, where they come out to a hot start and then get listless. It almost makes me pine for the days when they used to fall behind big and then be scratching and clawing to get back into it the whole game because it's a lot more enjoyable at least when they're fighting in a comeback but anyway we got a bunch to talk about none of it particularly good next on locked on knicks you are locked on knicks your daily new york knicks podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day and i think we see willis coming out there he comes right now for 3 Five. that one goes down back up off the glass it's good it it it
0: you are locked on Knicks, your daily new york Knicks podcast and today's episode is brought to you by rock auto rock auto amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need visit rockauto.com and tell them lockdown sent you and we also want to thank you as always for making lockdown nicks your first listen today and every day we wanted to remind you we're on all platforms now including you already know this if you're watching us on youtube i am gavin Shaw, a resumed play-by-play broadcaster i got a million games this month so uh, alex will be doing a whole lot of work and he's more than qualified because he's the editor-in-chief of the strickland a beat writer at clutch points covering you guessed it the new york knicks and he is embarrassed to be covering the new york knicks tonight because this game sucked uh, the knicks had a dominant first quarter they were up 34 to 26 julius randall scoring 18 points more than he had in each of his previous two games it looked like all was good in Nixdom. The ball was flowing. I, I put out a tweet comparing them to the 12-13 team where it just felt like they were getting open three after open three, and and you were sort of shocked whenever one didn't go in. And then it all sort of flipped, this this Raptors team that, from a talent perspective, like I'll, I'll read out the starting lineup for the Raptors, Fred VanVleet, V. Luke, somehow, Gary Trent, OG Ananobi, Precious Achua with, with guys like, I think it's Justin Champagny. Out of, out of Pittsburgh, coming off the bench, Ken Burch off the bench, D. Benton out of Nebraska off the bench, Malachi Flynn off the bench, Goran Dragic insulted to not be playing off the bench. This is a Raptors team that had no business beating the Knicks, and yet they took over this game with defense and a run of threes in the third quarter. and The Knicks didn't really have much fight left in the fourth, and it was it was disappointing, obviously, given the Knicks' fantastic start this year. Yeah. It-
1: just what what more can you say about it? I mean, they've been kind of doing this in most games this year. And I feel like I feel like maybe we could say that this is the first time that it has truly bitten the Knicks in the butt to have been so lackadaisical after building up an early lead. Because I mean, there was the game against the magic, the, the second magic game at the garden when obviously that was their first loss of the season. We talked about that one, and I remember we had this discussion in that episode of like, oh, is this sort of our, our way of seeing like, oh, just how much can the Knicks mail it in against a team that's worse than them? But that game, they probably exited that thinking, oh, well, you know, we might not have had our best night, but we were still only within like four or six or however many points it was, you know, like a two possession game And, and thinking, oh, you know, one more shot here or there, we would have won that game, even though we played bad. Uh, but maybe not making that connection of, no, it's an effort thing. It's not a, you know, that was not just an off shooting night. Like you guys just didn't care and you didn't win the game. And then we saw the same thing with like the Bulls game, for example, got up and then took the foot off the gas and almost gave up the lead and lost the game late in the game. And then we saw the same thing against the Pelicans, you know, just kept keeping them at arm's length without ever really putting them away, despite being up by double digits early in the game. And not being able to just like capitalize on that and ride that wave to like a 30-point lead to just put them away in the third quarter. And in this game, it was kind of just like the like they never even quite reached that point where they could have, you know, like stepped on the throat, so to speak, and just finished it. You know, they they just were like, oh, well, you know, we're up 15 points in the second quarter. So now's the time where we can just start ISOing over and over and you know, not passing the ball anymore making sloppy passes when we do pass it. And then, you know, also just giving up open threes like it's nobody's business. And I understand that the Raptors, you know, were depleted in this game. They didn't have Scotty Barnes. They didn't have Pascal Siakam. And that's probably their two best players. But you still can't just be like, I mean, those two aren't even like their best three-point shooters. Like the guys that were left are the bread and butter three-point shooters on the team. It was O.G. Ananobi who had a, a career high and uh fred van vliet obviously and you know freaking uh uh uh, gary trent jr whose name just escaped me and Svi kailuk who you just mentioned a minute ago i mean literally this whole team the whole starting lineup was other than precious achua was just built on three-point shooting and so why are you then just deciding to do the whole like i will just leave you open from three and see what happens strategy you know like i know that Generally, in the NBA, teams regress to the mean of about 40% three point shooting, even on a good night. But that's not assuming that the shots are all wide open. And there just wasn't a single guy you could leave open on this team and not expect to get burned. And, you know, that's exactly what happened. The Knicks got burned. And I don't know. I mean, we'll talk about him more in the next segment. But I, I was, I, I really think the Julius Randle, you know, you mentioned he came out there, he had those 18 points in the first quarter and then only four points thereafter for the rest of the game and also just kind of looked listless and you know he sort of sets that tempo for the Knicks and you know I don't want to I really don't want to get into that too much because I have a lot in the chamber for the next segment but it wasn't just him you know there was just at a certain point it seemed like everybody kind of just stopped caring other than a select few like RJ Barrett I think just continued to look like the part of a a young budding like star star uh, in this game and you know, I thought like Emmanuel quickly was pretty good, even though he wasn't hitting shots, but I mean, he, he played at least with good energy and Obi Toppin, by and large, I think, you know, in the minutes that he was given played with good energy, but you know, like Fournier, a Walker, uh, Alec Burks, like just all the guys that you would expect that, you know, it, like the, the guile and the smarts and the ability to keep things going the way that they had to just weren't really doing that in this game. And, and, you know, that that energy sort of trickled down from Julius and then just sort of like got into other people, too. And then all of a sudden you just kind of had a team that wasn't really playing for each other anymore and was just trying to ISO away a game and protect the lead. And then lo and behold, they didn't do either of those things and they wound up losing the game. So, yeah, it was this is a disappointing one for me, for sure.
0: It felt weirdly lackadaisical right like oh yeah lackadaisical lackadaisical mm-hmm. lackadaisical. lackadaisical lacking of Lack of um, laxative daisical? what yeah lack, <laughs> I mean, yeah they were they were just they were shitting themselves out there but, they took um, a, they
1: took a big dump all over the court that's for sure yeah, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: um yeah it wasn't i i'm wondering like what is going on like with tibbs and like practice and like Post games, because against the Pelicans, he seemed so pissed the entire game. And he knew that that was a team that they should have absolutely wrecked. Similar tonight against the Raptors. And again, like it's a luxury position for the Knicks to, to be able to say, oh, we we lost a random game. And that is the end of the world. That's incredible that they've come that far. But it does feel weird. And I'm curious to see like how it portends against better teams. And I thought in particular the physicality Toronto had defensively, where like I don't think I've ever seen, even when the Knicks were really bad, a team just get the ball stripped as often as they had. And it shouldn't really be an issue. Like Kemba, tough as nails, Fournier, tough as nails, RJ, tough as nails. Randall, again, maybe, maybe save it for next segment. But I, I really don't know what's going on with him right now. He I mean, he was he was incredible in that first quarter, right? Could not have played any better. And then from that point on, just seemed like disinterested. And we we've, we've seen that again and again and again this year from him. I mean, in and out, right? Because sometimes he looks really, really good and really intense. And he's, he's made some brilliant plays passing the basketball. The shooting seemed to have turned around the last two games. So I'm going to turn this into Rip Julius Randle, but I'm, I'm with you in that he is setting a tone that is not particularly good right now. And I think is having a bit of a carryover effect, but we'll, we'll continue that conversation next segment because I want to tell everyone about one of our favorite sponsors, Prize Picks. Prize Picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players, as well as bench players, only recording a handful of minutes each game. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. All of your users that deposit and use your promo code will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just be sure to use that promo code NBA. You pick two to five players and an over, under in their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize picks allows mixed sport entries as well, so you can take the over on LeBron combined with the under on Mahomes in the same category. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code MBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. All right. With that, we are back on the Lockdown Knicks podcast. Wanted to thank you all again for making Lockdown Knicks your first listen today and every day we're available on all platforms. And Alex, I'll, I'll throw it over to you because I just I can't get over how weird this season has been for Julius Randle, right? We've seen so many flashes of the guy that we knew last year that was a, a borderline MVP candidate at different points. And in some ways he looks even better and he's gotten to fully extend the range of his game, right? There's more stuff in the post. There's more passing from weird angles. He, It, it feels like he is in a situation to maximize all of his new abilities in a way that he simply couldn't last year. And yet, may, I don't know if it's, it's an energy thing. I don't know if it's like a newfound personality thing. Um I don't know if it's just a small sample size, but all in all it doesn't quite feel like he makes the same impact over the course of the game even if there are more flashes.
1: Yeah, and I think it has to do purely with effort level. I mean, it's so obvious that he's not coming at the game with as much verve as he did previously or at least not throughout the whole game. You know, we literally saw that in this game. Like, you score 18 points in the first quarter. I mean, there were times when he did that last year too. I think there was literally a game where he actually scored 18 points in the first quarter last year, and it was like we all like lost our minds because it was like late in the season. It might have even been during the win streak. I mean, it was it was a crazy game, and you know this should have been another game like that where it's just the Julius show the whole time. And you know, if someone scores 18 points, that's Julius's caliber in the first quarter of a game. You would reasonably expect like, oh, he's about to go for like 38 right now or something. You know, you don't expect him to keep up that same pace and score 72 points or whatever, but you at least expect, you know, like 30 points, something like that, because he's shown that he can do that. And then he comes out of this game. I mean, if you looked at this as a as just an observer of the box score and, and hadn't actually watched the game, you might actually be like, oh, Julius had a pretty good game. Like, what? I wonder why they lost, like 22 points, nine rebounds, five assists. But, like, the effort wasn't spread out across the whole game. It was concentrated on the first quarter and a half or so. not even half of the the next quarter and that's the problem you know you can't you can't be in a position where you're just gonna try for as long as you think it is that you need to try to put the other team away and then just stop trying like last year's Knicks never did that and that was part of why they were so good and look I'm saying all these things the Knicks are five and two so obviously they're really good and I, I think that there's I mean, I was on record before the season, you know, during our predictions podcast saying like, I think they could ascend as size as the three seed. I literally was on the last pod talking about like, you know, what's how high can this team go if they really figure this whole thing out? And, you know, that's still things that I'm thinking about, but so much of that is going to have to do with Randall and how he approaches the game, how he, I, I mean, I look, I don't want to play armchair sports psychologist. Like I just, It's a fool's errand to do that It's not fair to the players to try to like Put yourself in their head or whatever If there's not something obviously there But you know like if it's a death in the family Or something obviously you know what's going on with the player But with something like this It's just like I don't know what's going on in Julius's head But whatever it is I I just he needs to find a way To find The same mentality that he had Last year because it seems like He has a baby maybe What's that? Didn't he, didn't he just have a kid? He did just have the baby. I the mean, he's
0: not sleeping? I don't know. That's, that's possible.
1: I guess it is possible. I mean, if he's being very hands-on, I would think that he probably would have said, um, you know, to Kendra, his wife and, and hopefully have like a, like you know, hopefully the new contract extension paid for an au pair or something, you know, like a live in any, but you know, if not, then yeah, I guess maybe he's, he's staying up all hours of the night, but hopefully there was sort of a, uh, Uh, an agreement in place with his wife of like, hey, uh, I'm going to need to kind of, you know, I know we just had the baby, but I'm going to kind of need to be hands off with the whole staying up all night thing. But I don't know, maybe maybe that is it. (laughs) Who am I to say? (laughs) Maybe that is what I have a friend who just had a baby too. And he's certainly been having some weird nights uh, at home. So I don't know, but whatever it is, I just, you know, I think that Julius just needs to like Take a personal assessment, and like we've seen, that he's good at doing that. You know, I, I don't think that he's above looking himself in the mirror and saying, "Okay, I need to do this, that, or the other better." Because he literally did it last year and wrote that big piece in the Players Tribune where he was very forthcoming about, you know, he thought he was he was, you know, like too good his uh, first year in New York, and you know, was trying too hard to live up to the contract and this, that, and the other. And maybe that's something to do with it here, too. You know, that there is kind of a parallel in that he just got an extension this summer. But hopefully he just kind of takes that look in the mirror sooner this season. It doesn't take a whole year and he can be like, let's just go back to how I was last year, where I, I'm trying for all, the whole time. You know, like regardless of how much help he has now, how much more help he has, he still needs to be the engine for this team if they want to get anywhere. And, you know, I just think that that's going to require him. Working on his effort level and also working on his I mean, I've talked about this already like three times this season, but working on his body language and and the the what he projects to his teammates on the court. Because as of right now, it's it's not getting the job done. And and I think that's a large reason why the Knicks are blowing all these leads all the time and finding themselves in these, you know, late game situation. Not again, not to say it's all Julius Randle, but as the leader of the team, he kind of Takes the brunt of this, and he's certainly not leading by example at the moment. At, at a lot of times in these games, so he's got to sort of get his stuff together, as far as that's concerned. I think. But where, what's your read on the situation? I said I wasn't going to play armchair psychologist, and I like
0: definitely like halfway played armchair armchair psychologist. So
1: yeah,
0: I think I feel like it's a classic like sports radio trip. It's like I'm not going to do this, but I'm just this one time. Um well, allow but me to yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm with you though. Um, I I think part of it, like just in a purely basketball sense, is He's still sort of calibrating, like, what is the balance between me taking over and me being a distributor? And last year, it was a lot cleaner, right? Because he was he was the the moon, the stars, the sun, the sky. He was, he was, it was everything for the Knicks. And that is more difficult, but it is less ambiguous, right? He, he had to make six or seven crazy mid-range fadeaways every game. He had to make a couple threes. He had to get all the way to the rim. He had to play kick-ass defense. This year, the Knicks can win without him doing those things. And he needs to find out, when am I supposed to and when am I not supposed to? And I thought in the first quarter, like, let's let's give him credit. He was he was incredible. I mean, 18 points, four threes, had a couple of, of really nice passes, setting up RJ for a three, setting up uh, Fournier for a three. The one to RJ in particular was really nice. It was a righty pass. It was like kind of looping, no look. Um, and And it just felt like he was... He was controlling and dictating every single aspect of this game, despite having OG and Inobi, who's one of the better defenders in the league for him. And then the Raptors sort of caught on; they started sending more doubles. It, it felt a little bit analogous to how the Hawks defended him last year. And, and Julius just sort of—he was kind of content to stay out of things. And and when he did force the issue, it didn't turn out very well. And, and OG started doing a much better job on him. Um, so I think for him, it's just it's finding that balance at this point and and, and knowing when to do what thing and just letting sort of the flow of the game dictate all that. And maybe maybe we need to get into it more next segment, Alex, but I, I think you can't let the rest of the team off the hook because, I mean, who else really like stood out tonight in, in a meaningful way for the next Kemba Walker was good, but he, he blew a couple of layups. He was, he was pretty efficient, but again, it wasn't – like we still have yet to see – we've seen some good Kemba Walker games. We still have to see those monster Kemba Walker games. R.J. Barrett, I should note, was a monster in this one, 27 points, six boards, one steal. Um, so maybe maybe we'll save that for the next segment and get into it. But outside of RJ, it was just just not a whole lot of balance. But anyways, um, let's uh, let's talk Shopify for a second. Uh, one of our newest sponsors on Locked On, Nix. Oh boy, I love that sound. It makes me smile. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. In case you didn't know, Shopify is a complete commerce platform that lets you start grow and manage a business The subscription-based software allows you to set up an online store and sell their products. Shopify store owners can sell in physical locations using Shopify POS, our point of sale app and accompanying hardware. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big businesses. So upstarts, startups and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online, in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility, and Shopify helps you make your entrepreneurial dreams come true. I love how Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed down the street to around the globe. Shopify powers over 1.7 million businesses from first sale to full scale reaching customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integration apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest. So go to shopify.com slash locked on MBA, all lowercase for a free 14-day trial, and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash locked on MBA right now, shopify.com slash locked on MBA.
1: And today's show is also brought to you by betonline.ag. We're back and better than ever, a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today at betonline.ag and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball's postseason, the NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, and we're back. And yeah, you know what, Gavin? I, I did, you ended the last segment on a good note because I wanted to talk about RJ, and it was so funny because when you were talking about him, now granted, it, it's going to sound weird to say this in a game that he had, zero assists but when you're talking about having to find that balance between scoring himself or creating for others i think that that's something that rj has really mastered over these last few games where you know in this game again you know 27 points nine to 13 shooting five to eight from three four six from the free throw line that's amazing six rebounds one steal zero assists in this one so you know, if you're just box score watching, you might be like, well, Julius clearly distributed better because Julius led the team in assists, but I don't think he did. I, you know, I think that RJ did a better job and has been doing a better job of reading the room better, so to speak, and knowing when it's his time to shine, being as deferential as need be, particularly in the first halves when, you know, unfortunately when things kind of switch to ice ball, that usually harms RJ the most. Uh, when they're, the Knicks aren't moving the ball around, when RJ is not able to get open for those nice spot up threes, when he's not able to cut, when he's not getting the ball up top and having someone like Mitch set a screen for him to start freeing him up to go downhill towards the rim, you know those are the times when RJ has most success. Is when the Knicks are moving the ball more, and but he's been a, a big part of keeping things moving when he does have the ball. I think, and he does a good job of knowing, okay. Now's my time to chime, in, or now is the time for me to kick it out to somebody else after I've drawn the defense, or just kind of to get the action going and and get other people involved. And I think he's been doing a really good job of that. It's probably the, the more underrated part of this little hot stretch he's going through, which hopefully isn't just a hot stretch, and hopefully he just starts scoring like 23, 24, 25 points per game. Now that would be freaking amazing. Um, but like, yeah, I, I don't know how you feel about that. I just think that. I think RJ struck a much better balance than Julius lately and maybe Julius for as much as I think he gave to RJ last year, as far as lessons either spoken or unspoken on how to play the game and, and, you know, how to influence the game and all that stuff. I I thought that RJ definitely took a lot off Julius last year. Maybe now's the time for Julius to kind of take something from RJ and, and try to just kind of get his head on straight again and get, get himself more. I don't know what the right word is. I have a word in my head, but I don't want to say it for Ghost and Nick's past, but you know what? I'll say it anyway. Maybe RJ can help get Julius a little more zen and a little more at peace with what's going on on the court and not feeling like he has to revert to like hero ball or whatever at any given time and just kind of letting things come to him because that's kind of been like the the key to RJ's game lately to me is just kind of letting the game come to him.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I think I think that's exactly it. Like he's not thinking out there. Julius is thinking about, every single thing he's doing, or, or at least when he's not playing well, he is. And RJ is just sort of going, right? And you can, you can, you're, we're starting to see, we, we were asking, what would the leap be this year for RJ? And it feels like, less so like previous years where there were very specific skills that he added. And and to some extent he has, like we we mentioned that mid range floater, but it feels like everything is just 10% better. Like he's, he's that much quicker to the rim. He's that much stronger. He's that much better at finishing. Once he gets there, the shot just looks like the release looks quicker and smoother and snappier. And last year it felt like he shot 40% on a diet of really easy threes. Now he just looks like a typical high level NBA 40% 40% three-point shooter, right? Like it looks it looks so, so smooth coming out of his hands. And I, I really think that Pelicans game had him playing with a lot of confidence and and, and maybe he just hadn't really gotten going yet this year. But I, I think in his mind, the last two games were who he was going to be this entire season. Obviously, you know, the competition in both of them, but there were, there were some pretty good defenders, on, especially on the perimeter. Uh, and RJ was having uh, his way with, with the vast majority of them. So I'm super excited about him going forward. Do you... Have the last two games, Alex, like, influenced you? I don't want to say, like, it, like talking about a ceiling sounds a little grandiose, but have they influenced your expectations for him this season after what was a semi-slow start? Maybe a little bit. I mean, I think that I think we could probably place the
1: realistic expectation somewhere in the middle, like, not assuming that he's going to score 27 on 13 shots every night, but also not assuming that he's going to shoot, like, two of 10 or whatever he did in a few of those games and be less involved. It seems like they are slowly, but surely sort of, de- I, I don't know. I don't know if this is entirely accurate because of how the shot distribution works sometimes, but it seems like at least the last couple of games, they're making a concerted effort to make it clear that he's like option number two behind Julius Randle right now. Um, and in some cases, you know, when he's really cooking, like I think in these last two games, honestly, he just kind of becomes option one because if, if Julius isn't doing it down the stretch, then RJ has been doing it. And, you know, he was the hero against new Orleans with the, whatever it was like 16 points in the last quarter or, or however many he scored. And then, you know, he, he was kind of the guy that they're going too late in this game too. And it was unfortunately just too little too late at that point. But yeah, I, I think that I, I think if I was going to set a realistic expectation at this point, yeah, it's definitely gone up a little bit. Like I was kind of thinking, Prior to these last two games and how they were treating RJ and his role and everything, I was kind of thinking like after the little bit of struggles at the beginning, I was kind of like, "Eh, well, all right, maybe we're just looking for basically the same as what he put up last year. Maybe like, I don't know, he put up I think 17.8 points per game or something like that last year. Maybe we're looking at like 18 or 19 points per game, not much of an uptick, but like better efficiency and just looking for little things like Breen, Said like a bunch of times, I think last game and this game, um, that but mostly, mostly the last game, I think, where he was like, you know, RJ, even when he wasn't playing, like when as many shots weren't falling in the first few games, you could still tell that he got better, you know, even if the shots weren't falling. And I thought that it was just going to kind of be one of those years where with Kemba and Fournier ahead of him, you know, just kind of be like, well, RJ will have his moments, but by and large, you know, there's going to be a lot of nights where he's just going to score like 13. So we'll get kind of shoved to the side. Uh, thanks to the other three guys that he occupies the floor with. Plus not even considering like the odd Mitchell Robinson 20 point game where he just catches like everything within a million feet of the rim and slams at home. Um, but I think now it's, it's starting to look like Tibbs and the Knicks and, rj himself and even the teammates are all kind of thinking like no it's rj's time now it's it's time for him to start busting out this like number three overall pick top in his high school class for 10 years type stuff and uh i think i think it's starting to work out and you know i, I like what i'm seeing from him a lot again I, if i wasn't effusive enough in my praise but if i was going to like set a an expectation for him i don't think he's going to be doing what he's done these last two games for the over the course of the whole season but i now would not be surprised if he if he was like something like twenty two points per game this year by the time all said and done and maybe flirts with an all star nod. Uh if if this is how they're featuring him versus how they feature Fournier and Kemba, then I could definitely see that happening. And combined with that defensive prowess, I mean, that would be like, like he'd be well on his way towards that like Jimmy Butler path that we've talked about for him a number of times, and that would be freaking amazing if he gets to that point in his third year. So uh, yeah, that's probably about where I'm setting expectations now. Hopefully, that's not too lofty, and I don't look like a fool later on.
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think you will. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I've been someone who's questioned RJ a lot and just how good he could be throughout his career. He, he looks like the last two games. We've, we've never seen anything like this from him before. It is, this is a whole other level in terms of taking flashes we've seen in the past and putting them all together in a consistent way. Um, I'm trying to think who else, honestly, I mean, I I know, I know I'm inclined in his direction and I'm always going to say, look good. Even though Mitchell Robinson missed three different dunks in this one, uh, I thought he was still a force. He, he only had six points because of those, those three missed dunks. Though he got two free throws for one of them, but also had 12 rebounds, three assists, five of the rebounds were offensive. It felt like, I mean, obviously he wasn't going to start killing people in the post, but it felt like he could have even been more dominant given the size and athleticism advantage he had over the Raptors front court, like he, like you could just see the the added weight on him in this one. Like he, he looked like, like Shaq going up against Todd McCullough or something. It, it was just a different kind of animal. And on top of that, he was pretty good passing the basketball. I noted those three assists and like, it hasn't been anything super complicated with Mitch, but just little, like he had a give and go with Evan Fournier. That was, was pretty gorgeous. That got uh, Fournier um, a, a wide open layup. Um, he had another one to R.J. that was really good. He had one to I.Q. but then I.Q. got stripped. And I, I just like Mitch just using his size to pair over the def- to stare over the defense and, and sort of just drop off his little like micro dimes, a, a la Nikola Jokic. None of the fancy stuff like Jokic, but just 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 those basic reads were stuff that we really didn't see from him his first couple of years in the league. And I, I kind of like that as an added dimension to the Knicks' offense.
1: Yeah, I do too. And, you know, I, I thought that the same thing, obviously it's, it's pretty easy to look like a big dude when you're facing Precious Achua uh, on the other side or Kem Birch, who's, you know, a, a plenty talented center, but not the biggest guy in the world. Um, but I thought the Mitch was really good too. You know, I, I actually, I, I tweeted this like kind of late in the game. The Knicks sort of were looking like they were going to make the push for a minute there, but uh, Taj Gibson, unfortunately, sprained his ankle in this game. And we don't know how long he's going to be out, but he only played 10 minutes. And Mitch, Mitch, though, only played 28. And I say only like as if that's not a decent number of minutes, but his conditioning has seemed to be coming back lately where, you know, he's been comfortably playing over 30 minutes. I, I think that Tibbs kind of squandered an opportunity to maybe give the Knicks a better shot. To finalize a comeback, uh, to be clear, an undeserved comeback, but a comeback nonetheless in this game by keeping Jericho Sims out there too long. Like he put him out there for, uh, well, I could tell exactly how long, for a five minute stretch. Um, and, and I just thought that was kind of what doomed the Knicks. Like that, at that point, the three pointers for just for a moment there stopped falling quite as much for the Raptors after they'd been just like destroying the Nets all day. And then they had Jericho Sims in there and suddenly they didn't have to be afraid to go into the paint anymore. And they got a few pretty key buckets that way, Um, including, I know I think it was the alley-oop to OG, I think was when Sims was in, Um, as well as a few other finishes on the inside that just were kind of demoralizing for the Knicks. And, you know, there was one possession even where like Sims got himself so tangled up in the action that he literally just like hit the deck in the middle of a play because he's just like, He whipped his head so hard practically that he like made himself fall over trying to keep up with what was going on. He's just, I I like the kid. I I do think his physical gifts are crazy, but he needs a lot of seasoning still. And I, I wish it wasn't happening due to necessity in the middle of this. Knicks. he was down in Westchester right now and able to play down there instead. Um, Not that I think their season has even started yet, but you know, eventually I hope that he, he goes up to Westchester and, and spends a lot of time there because He's just not ready for the NBA yet. So anyway, back to my initial point was I I think the Tibbs kind of missed an opportunity. I think that if he would have brought Mitch in about three minutes sooner and, and, you know, that would have required Mitch then playing the last like seven and a half-ish minutes of the game, something like that, maybe even slightly longer, uh, which is not super ideal. But also, I mean, he didn't seem to really be having to exert himself to be dominant. To your point, he looked like, you know, he looked like Shaq out there compared to the guys that, that the Raptors were throwing at him. So I don't know. I I felt like he didn't have to really get as, you know, tired out as he had to say against like Vucevic or Bede or any of the other like, like giant monster centers that the Knicks have had to play this year so far. And, And I think that he could have gone out there and really influenced the game for the positive, taking away a few of those easy buckets that the Raptors got inside before then to close out the game, they got super hot from three again. You know, maybe you can can kill their confidence a little bit that way by having Mitch out there as a deterrent. And then maybe you get to make a little better of a run. And if the Knicks got within three points or five points or something like that, then maybe the Raptors get uncomfortable, they buckle, and then the Knicks win. So I don't know. That was a kind of a missed opportunity by Tibbs, but I guess I'll make my final point uh before we get going like tim's i think you might touch on this at the beginning of the show too but like tim's been kind of kind of an enigma lately like i don't i don't know how he's not more angry like outwardly angry at how this team is playing and maybe maybe he's sort of trying to take an approach of well they have to learn from their mistakes and they have to you know they have to see a couple of these games early in the season that You know, you're good, but you're not that good. And and maybe this is his way of kind of making a point, but I just feel like he doesn't have nearly as quick of a trigger on the timeouts right now. He doesn't have nearly as quick of a trigger on getting guys out there that are clearly getting guys out of there. I should say that are clearly not producing anything, Um, which, you know, like Sims or something like who I know was playing five minutes out of necessity, but probably could have safely played about three minutes or even less than that. And that could have made a huge difference. Uh, Or you could have just not played him at all and just played Julius and Obi for a little bit, which, you know, wild concept there. But you could have just done that for more than like the couple minutes that you tried that. But, uh, you know, it's just it's it's strange to me. I I just don't. I mean, we talk about Julius being a little listless and stuff like that. And some of the guys on the team kind of seeming to be like resting on their laurels a little bit. But I almost get that same thing out of Tibbs, which is kind of weird to say, like he gets mad-ish like you could see that he's upset with certain things but it also almost seems like he's I I don't know if complacent's the right word but like like he's just not he's not t- feeling maybe he's just trying to teach them a lesson about leading themselves or whatever on the court but it seems like he's not taking his as, as firm of a role of trying like
0: whip these guys in shit this year so to speak I don't know are you getting that impression too Yeah. Yeah. I've I've definitely seen a a bit of that. And I think the timeouts is the biggest point. Like we, I I keep almost expecting a camera to pan over Mike Breen to be like, Tom Thibodeau is not happy. He's, he's going to take one here. And we keep not getting that. And I think the take is more so at least on my end that he just trusts them. Like it's, it's Kemba Walker, it's Evan Fournier. Like, like he, he, he's treating them as professionals and, and maybe he's going to realize that that approach isn't, isn't working right now, um, but I don't know. I, I don't. I, mean, I don't feel like we need to overanalyze it this early in the year, but it's it's certainly something to watch. Um, on that note, I think we can wrap up this edition of the Locked On Knicks podcast. We really appreciate all of you tuning in. As always, as the Knicks fall to the Toronto Raptors, one thirteen to one hundred four. If you haven't already, uh, please subscribe on your platform of choice. And even if you're not currently on YouTube, go go do it on YouTube. We really need it on YouTube. We, we start making some real money if we get up to a thousand. And I know you guys want us to be, well, not rich, but maybe, maybe lower middle class. So, so please go ahead and do just that. We really appreciate it. Until next time, peace out.